Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hello, everyone, and happy Wednesday. Welcome back. I am doing something pretty different today. Um, Today, I have brought on three teachers who are going to be sharing their experiences of switching to distant learning during COVID. They're going to be sharing about their students and, you know, just the good, the bad, and the ugly, how they dealt with stress and stayed positive throughout the entire experience. Now, you are probably scratching your head and wondering what teachers have to do with entrepreneurship. Um, I, first of all, believe that regardless of whether or not you technically own a business or work for somebody else, you can still exhibit an entrepreneurial spirit in any work environment. So that's kind of what I want to be hearing from is people that are in the workplace um, exhibiting a spirit of creativity and ingenuity and entrepreneurship and ownership. Um, These people don't necessarily need to be business owners per se. However, these three teachers do have in common that they either are entrepreneurs in addition to being teachers, or they are about to become an entrepreneur, which is very exciting. We'll hear about that one at the end. Before I dive into introducing them and sharing my conversation with them, I want to talk for a second about stress, which I'm sure we can all agree things have been quite heightened lately in our stress levels. And those stressed muscles of ours have been getting quite a workout this year. Um, I had the opportunity to go back to my therapist last week in person. And don't worry, we did sit eight feet apart, extra two for good measure. um, And all the precautions were taken. I'm just personally not the telehealth appointments didn't really do it for me. Um, I don't know what it is, but I think I end up feeling like I should be the one counseling her when we talk on the phone, namely because I feel bad that she has to be on the phone talking to people all day. (laughs) But I am a huge fan of therapy and going regularly for myself to just help keep my optimal mental health. And this time I really, really appreciated the visit and I really needed it. Um, In fact, I am usually a fast talker, as you probably notice, and I don't always hit my time. And this time she said, "Um, Emily, I think your time is up. So clearly I had a lot to talk about. Um, She did remind me of something, and I want to remind you of this too, that you know we're doing really well, especially here in New Hampshire, but this is not over. And I think I have felt, and maybe you have felt, that if I just put my head down and get through this and sprint through, um, then I'm going to wake up and it will have all passed. I mean, this is just very wishful thinking, um, and I don't know if you have been feeling that way, but she, my therapist, gently reminded me that we have a little ways to go still, you know, and it's, 
It's our responsibility to ourselves, to our families, to be strong and practice stress management techniques that are going to help us not to just withstand the sprint that we just went through, but the marathon that this really is. And I thought it was a really helpful, it was a great reminder to take care of myself, my mind, my my body, my heart, my soul. And I hope that it helps you too. So how exactly do we do that, right? Um, so you're going to hear from these ladies today about how they have done that through the some of the toughest times that they have gone through as teachers this year. But for me personally, I use a lot of meditation. I'm currently enjoying a special app that goes along with a course I'm taking with Liz Wyman. You'll hear more about that on another episode. But I also love and have consistently used Marissa Iman's Incandescent podcast. She gives the most beautiful guided meditations and they're absolutely free um, on her podcast. She's been on my show and right now, as she has been pivoting and growing her own business, she's seeing more practitioners, more yoga teachers, more wellness folks um, creating meditations of their own. And so because of this, Marissa um, decided to put together something really, really unique just for people that are in that space and doing that. She has created over, she's already done over a thousand meditations for businesses and people and apps around the world. And that is, I mean, she's phenomenal at it. She is an award-winning composer and she has music that has been accepted into large licensing catalogs. These are the kind of catalogs that get shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm and Spider-Man from Far Home and Star is Born get their music from. So um, hypothetically, Marissa's music could be on my absolute favorite show of all time, Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. I don't really know if that's my absolute favorite show of all time, but I do love it. Um, And Marissa has also confessed that she loves it. So if you are creating your own meditations or hypnosis sessions or other relaxing recordings that utilize music, or maybe you just like to meditate to really awesome meditation music on your own, She's offering a bundle of her 30 songs. They're all over 20 minutes long for your own meditation, hypnosis, etc. And in case you'd like a little taste of what it would sound like, I have included this little bit for you into the podcast. So you may take a second to close your eyes and drift off to somewhere peaceful and calm in your imagination. Um, okay, are you done? Are you back? Hello, wake up. Anyway, clearly guided meditations are not my thing, but you get the idea. So she's taking those 30 songs along with a bonus of lessons on how to record in case you're new. And she's also telling how to set up the entire recording, which is, trust me, something that is very helpful when you're getting started. So usually you're going to pay around $60 each for one of these songs. I think the she built this intro music was $60, but she is offering this for $333 for the entire bundle. And you can go to www.marissaiman.com. I'll make sure it's in the show notes before July 30th, which is her birthday. And if you buy before July 24th, you get extra perks. So you can learn more about it um, there. That's today's commercial. Please help me to spread the word on what she's doing if you know of anyone that would be interested. She's doing a challenge in which she is 
boldly trying to earn $10,000 in 10 days because she's a badass. But because of that, she needs all hands on deck. And since I'm a huge fan of her meditations and her work, I told her that I would love to help her spread the word. And that is why I have put it in this episode. Without further ado, let's get to those teachers. So you're going to have to be ultra gentle and forgiving when you listen to the audio in this episode. I did my very best on the editing side, but it was really clear to me as I was editing that people don't have adequate microphones or setups on their end. And we had a technological glitch and I had to switch programs with another person, yada, yada, yada. But I do promise that it's worth listening to what they're saying. And you might just have to turn up your volume a teeny tiny bit from what it is now, and then you'll be good to go. All of their websites when applicable will be in the show notes and they do each individually introduce themselves. So I'm not going to do that now. But just to kind of sum it up for you, we have Emily Benson, who is an associate professor at Keene State College, Carol Pelusiak of the Hookset School District, and Sharon Mattingly, an entrepreneurship and technology teacher in Marlborough, Massachusetts. Oh, one last thing. The word chuchi, which I use when I'm chatting with Sharon, is from way back when I was a little girl and her and my mom were best friends forever, BFFs. They still are BFFs, but Anyway, for clarity, that word means aunt in Polish. I have no idea why we called her that. I don't think any of us are Polish. Um, But they had all sorts of these funny terms and expressions between the two of them that just like stuck. And they are still carried on to this day. So in fact, I was just asking them both the other day why they referred to the three of us girls in the household as Veronica Lou, Veronica Sue, and Veronica too, and they just didn't have a good explanation for me. But I get it. I am like that with my friends and my husband. We give things funny names. You guys, now my throat has become parched from that very thorough and comprehensive intro, so we are just going to go to their virtual classrooms and let the learning begin. Hi, Emily, and welcome. We're so happy to have you. So why don't you start off by telling us what your role is in the education world and also tell us about your own business as well. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm Emily Benson. I'm an associate professor of management at Keene State, uh, Keene State College, and I'm also the chair of the department there. I also have a career coaching business where I support professional women who are changing careers or moving up into leadership positions or working on their professional identity uh, in some capacity. Awesome. So how has the um, COVID-19 pandemic experience been for you as a professor? So, um, of course, uh, right, right around our spring break, we started to realize uh, what was going to happen and that we were going to need to shut down at Keene State for a period of time and move everything online. Um, and so it was basically March through uh, mid-March through mid-May that I was uh, teaching my students online. And it was, you know, a big, it was hard, it was a hard hit. I was teaching mostly seniors um, this past spring. So, you know, they were very much in mourning for their, you know, final senior experiences on campus at Keene State. Um, In terms of myself, it it didn't have a huge impact on me. I I teach online every year for um, UMass Amherst as well. So I was 
fairly easily able to move my materials online. Um, but for the students themselves, they were definitely, definitely suffering. Oh my gosh. I remember my senior year. That was like the year that we did all the antics and had all those horrible amounts of fun. Yeah, exactly. All the, all the fun things they had planned and, and graduation, um, and even spring break, most of them, you know, were had to cancel their spring break plans. So it was tough. So how do you think that you have grown in ways you didn't expect? And maybe it's even from some of the experiences you've seen students have. I think that I've realized, I, I realized much more um, during those few weeks, uh, the, the need for um, college professors and, and all educators to really be fully aware of the mental health of our students. Um, it's something that, you know, sort of, of course, touched me in small ways in the classroom, but I only see my students for, you know, three hours, um, three a year, three and a half hours a week. And, um, and then, you know, meet some one-on-one meetings, but I can often sort of avoid, uh, or I wasn't as exposed to their mental health issues, but in this, um, in the spring, you know, it was very clear who was struggling. Uh, you know, I wasn't getting assignments turned in or they weren't showing up uh, for the Zoom meetings. And, you know, when I checked in on them personally, uh, they're, you know, just, yeah, they had a lot of, a lot going on um, that wouldn't have necessarily come up in a classroom setting. Do you feel like these issues were just exasperated because of the pandemic situation or were they things kind of underlying that you just hadn't really picked up on necessarily before? I think that um, they were mostly, mostly exacerbated. Um, You know, certainly the students who were, you know, sort of already kind of just hanging on, they kind of fell off the map for a few weeks. And that was, that was hard to kind of try to re-engage them. Um, At Keene State, we have quite a few students who, are coming from, uh, you know, lower, lower middle-class backgrounds and they work quite a bit, um, as well, you know, balance jobs with their education. I saw a lot of students, you know, once they saw the opportunity to just go back, you know, once classes were online, they were like, they took on more work hours. Um, so that added to their stress and certainly, you know, some of their families were very impacted, as well, parents losing jobs and and things like that. So the students were having to kind of step up financially and help their families and still try to finish the semester. So it's just a really difficult time all around. I think it did trigger some new things with students, certainly, but um, ones who are already struggling, uh, yeah, they were they were hit quite hard. Yeah. Um, now, what are some ways that you feel like some students actually may have excelled with this new norm? I think that, you know, for some students, again, being able to work more tended for some students, that was actually a positive. Um, they, I had one student who was headed into the insurance industry and he had a lot more time to uh, study for his licensing exams. And, uh, you know, some students just really do, I mean, of course, that age is, you know, very savvy. And I had them do some video assignments and some of the students, you know, really embraced that and and love that challenge of, you know, um, 
producing their own videos and and being able to do it in their own time frame and not have to show up for morning classes and you know being able to do things um you know when it worked for them um i think yeah certainly some students didn't mind it at all and even thrived so i don't know if this is necessarily applicable to you but what are you what are you personally looking forward to in going back or I guess since you just told me before we got on here, um, you just got off quite a number of calls determining what going back might look like. So what is that looking like as of now? And then how are you and other teachers, uh, professors feeling about it? It's, it's really tricky. Um, it's a, it's definitely a difficult time in higher education. Um, there's a, a real tension between saying, you know, we're going to, do most of the most of our classwork online um, and the worry that students won't come back if we say that in any capacity and we will you know really take an even bigger financial hit than we already have so in order to keep the institution going we sort of feel like we have to say you know classes are going to happen uh, in person in some capacity we do want you on campus. Please come back. You'll have the campus experience in some form. Um, but then there's the worry, you know, we have a lot of professors who are in high risk groups and really can't afford to expose themselves. So it's definitely we're just feeling a lot of, of a lot of tension and, and there's no real, um, you know, there's no clarity about what what's going to be happening with COVID-19 in August. So everything is like a what if scenario. So it's very tricky. Yeah. A lot of the um, people I've been speaking to recently said, we're kind of like in this center spot. Like we're in, we're not, we're kind of like through something, but Mm -hmm. not really through it at all. And we don't have any clarity about what is going to be happening next or what things are going to look like. So the best thing we can do is to take it one step at a time. But when it comes to an entire university, you know, how do you do that? Because right. you still have to be providing people with hope and with this sense of, okay, we are going to be able to be together again on campus. And this is when. Right. Right. You know, and I do think that, you know, this may um, call into question a little bit, some of the um, perceptions we have about online education and that it does get a pretty bad rap um, and it's considered, you know, a less, you know, less of an experience. And, you know, as I mentioned, I've taught for UMass online for years and I really enjoy that those classes because I end up having students from all over the world, all age groups. And, um, you know, they're doing, I do that work asynchronously, but we have really robust conversations in the discussion chat rooms that are really interesting because I have, you know, non-traditional students um, and, and, and students from other parts of the world. So I do think there's a value to having that kind of online education as well. And I think, you know, at Keene State, we're sort of having to grapple with, oh, you know, maybe online education isn't such a terrible thing. And, you know, maybe there are some really cool things we can do about it. We have all kinds of professional development opportunities being offered on campus right now, uh, or through Zoom um, and on our, our Canvas. So, you know, a lot of professors are, are planning on some really cool, you know, multimedia things and, you know, things we can do online that you actually might not be able to do in a classroom. So, 
Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds sounds like you're really good about being creative and maybe some of that call to improving um, online education is to start challenging ourselves as teachers Mm -hmm. to be more creative in that space and how can we, you know, utilize it in a way that it hasn't been utilized before. So maybe that's part of the conversation too. Exactly. And recognizing that it, it offers an opportunity for um, for people who, who can't come to a classroom setting, um, it really does offer them, uh, you know, new possibilities. And we have to realize, you know, that for various reasons, geographically or um, disabilities or illnesses or things like that, some people are missing out on that classroom experience. And this is an opportunity for us to connect with them as teachers. So let's um, shift a little bit and mm-hmm. talk about your business as well. Like, I can't believe that you juggle both things. That's incredible. (laughs) So how have you maintained both a level of positivity as a professor, as well as juggling a business? Um, (laughs) I don't know if I always maintain positivity. It's definitely can be challenging. I I see the two as very um, interconnected, though. Uh, For my research has is feminist and has to do with career. So my career coaching, you know, is working with women on their careers. So those two overlap really nicely. Um, Building a business and learning everything about online marketing and setting up websites and, you know, all those skills we have to learn um, are things that I bring to the classroom for my students. So the two actually integrate pretty nicely most of the time. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and what I guess just as you have worked with students in managing their own stress, like what are some of the techniques that you feel have been successful in that? You know, I, I am not, I'm not the kind of professor that, um, you know, holds deadlines. Um, I'm not very strict about deadlines and, you know, and when they have, you know, I, I reckon I recognize that my students have so many other priorities um, besides my particular class, and I am willing to work with them within their particular sets of priorities. So I, you know, I try to see my students as as adults, as individuals who are making hard choices, you know, about what they need to do and when. So I work with them at that level and help them, you know, just communicate with me. That's how I help them reduce stress. Is be someone who they can come to and communicate with. And I will, you know, I'm not the person who's going to be like, no, you, you get an F just because this assignment's late or things like that. Um, you know, let's talk about it. And that's, I guess, another re- reason why I can balance the two things as well is because I'm sort of gracious with myself for missing deadlines <laughs> or um, getting behind on things and recognizing that I can't do all the things every day and I'm human and, you know, I'm going to make mistakes and Um, so we kind of, I, I try to connect with my students on that level. Yeah. I was going to say, you really hit the nail on the head there with both, both of those things, both communicating. Um, I think that is a huge part of stress management for anyone. Um, and then also not holding yourself to this unattainable, um, point and giving yourself a little bit of grace and a little bit of like, okay, I didn't do that today, but I'll add it to tomorrow's list. And if I don't do it tomorrow, sometimes that's okay. (laughs) Maybe Um, it wasn't that important anyways. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. 
Well, I love it. Thanks for sharing um, so openly with us. Do you feel like there's any questions that I didn't ask you that, that you were hoping I did? I guess not a question that I wish you would ask, but I just wanted to make the, the point that, how can I phrase this? So in Keene, there's often a tension between the college and the town um, because our campus is right downtown in Keene and the students are often seen as disruptive to our city. And I think that this pandemic has really opened my eyes to how um, how interconnected we are as as a college and a town and that we you know we really need to come together during this time to keep ourselves safe and keep you know keep our economy um, running in our town our students work for a lot of businesses here in the town when they're here um, they're a huge part of our economy they spend a lot of money here the fact that some of them aren't going to come back is going to hurt us as a town um, but it's, you know, we also do have a big group of them coming back, which is going to be wonderful. So I, I hope that this pandemic really helps ease some of those tensions and helps us fe feel more of one interconnected community rather than two, two separate, um, two separate communities with different, different values and different priorities. You know, we're sort of all in this together right now. Um, and it, it's, it's eye-opening. That was really, really well said. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. So um, thank you so much for taking time to share your experiences with us. And I look forward to seeing what that next step looks like for the college and for you. Thank you. I am too. And I'm always happy to talk to you anytime. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Hi, Carol, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. How are you? I'm great, Emily. Thank you so much for having me on. Is your summer vacation off to a good start? Um, well, I've had about a month of summer vacation because school ended earlier than usual. It's been good, and I actually just started virtual summer school. Oh, nice. For yourself or for kids? No, for students, yep. Oh, great. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about um, who you teach and your background. Okay, so I am a kindergarten teacher currently in Hooksett, New Hampshire, which is actually the town that I grew up in. I took over my first grade teacher's job when she retired. Um, I taught first grade for 14 years, and now this is my second year. I just wrapped it up in kindergarten, you know, distance, in a distance kind of manner. Um, no offense, but you don't look like you've been teaching for 14 years. <laughs> you look so young. Yeah. Thank and, you. The kids keep me young. And don't you have um, a skincare product? Uh, yes. And it's also, you know, great skincare. So um, a few years ago, since I can't work harder as a teacher to make more money, I also started my own business with Rodan and Fields as a personal shopper. So that's also helping me to stay young. So that's why I wanted to have you on because you are um, an entrepreneur and a teacher. And I want to hear about the specific challenges around that. But I want to hear how your experience has been in the past, oh my gosh, since March as a teacher. Uh, it was very interesting because as teachers, we were not trained to not teach in front of live children right in the room. So having to pivot and my district did have about three days notice where we said, let's plan in case. And then it happened. So we had a plan in place. Um, 
But I have to say I'm grateful that I had the skincare business also because I tend to go on Facebook and do lives. So when we had to record ourselves on video, I was already comfortable with that. Whereas most teachers were like, I don't want to be on video. I don't want people to see me. And I love to share and I love to talk. And it was the perfect you know, mix of the two worlds for me. And you are really good on those Facebook lives and always doing things that, you know, I know that if like the parents of your students show them, you're doing like Friday dance parties and things like that, that just like keep people feeling really positive and, and motivated. So you're really, really good at that. Yeah, that was actually more of my own coping strategy. Um, my husband was working from home too, and we don't have any kids. It's just the two of us. So we really had the best situation you could, you know, we both had jobs able to work from home. Um, but I was having a hard time just being stuck at home and not getting out and not being surrounded by my children all day. I was communicating with their parents because, you know, they're five and six and they can't email me. So I missed that interaction with them. So I started doing read alouds on Facebook daily because I knew parents had kids at home that needed to listen to a story and I could offer five to 10 minutes of a distraction. And in school, we would often do dance breaks in the classroom. So I said, well, I'll do Freeze Dance Friday for all the adults out there. And I had so much fun doing that and just engaging with people and trying to bring some joy when it was hard to find joy. I love it. So how, what are some ways that you have grown in ways in, in sorry, <laughs> how, how have you grown in ways that you didn't expect? Um, my, I didn't expect my technology skills. I was for a teacher, um, a very pretty techie teacher in the elementary level. You don't usually have to be so tech savvy. Um, but I learned how to upload and create my own PDFs, which has transferred over to the business also that I can do that. And really my communication skills where I can't be necessarily showing someone something, being able to explain it just through words if people only have an audio, and also explaining to parents. Um, that was a great thing for me because I can teach kids in front of me, I can show them, I can teach them how to read. Once you know how to read, it's hard to teach those skills um, to an adult who already knows them to talk about the different letter sounds. So I had to teach parents how to do that. Um, so which helps me in my business. I also teach other women who want to build a company like I have how to do that. And so it's transferred right over into teaching adults. Wow, that's amazing. Um, how did you see the students excel? Oh my goodness, They're, for such tiny human beings, they did amazing. Their grit and their perseverance, they really worked hard every day. And it, for them, it, it was a big change to not be in a classroom surrounded by peers because we're social creatures and part of learning, especially at the elementary level, is learning to interact with others. So for those kids who you know, are only children and didn't have someone else to interact with, I saw the ways that, you know, through what their parents shared with me, or if we did Zooms, how they were finding ways to share with their family through a FaceTime, like practicing their reading skills and doing a video to send off to someone. Um, one thing I'm really impressed by is their writing. And I happen to teach in a half day program. There's still half day here in New Hampshire and in other parts of the world, which is not a lot of time to get the reading, the math and the writing but because they were home and they did have a one-on-one -on -one teacher in the form of a parent who was administering what I was showing them, my children wrote every day. And I know you know this, Emily, that the only way to get better at writing is to do a little bit of it every single day. Um, and their writing just came so much further than I ever could have thought. And 
I wrote them letters and I've just today I got a postcard from one of my students and they're still practicing that skill in an everyday kind of way. That is so amazing. And I am so happy to hear that because I don't know if you agree with me, but it seems like the past couple of years, like maybe the past five years, writing has gone a little bit by the wayside for kids and you're watching them struggle with it more and more. So bringing it back to life is a huge win in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Even writing's gone by the wayside with some adults in the past years too. So I've brought it back for myself as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I've heard a lot of people, a lot of my friends who have children share what you did about the kids just being really, really gritty and doing what they need to do. So how, on the flip side, how did you see a lot of students struggle? Uh, definitely that social piece I talked about before, because some of them, it, it was hard. They might not have the technology at home to share with someone outside of their immediate home. And some of them interacting through a computer is, they don't have that understanding that there is a person on the other side of that computer who really are talking to me. Um, the other thing is in the classroom on the fly, like I do in my Facebook lives, chatting with people and just in the moment changing things up. They, um, in the classroom, I can change it up and adapt to four different learners right in front of me versus I had to record videos ahead of time and I had to sort of teach to the middle. So those who might want a little bit more or might maybe need a little bit less didn't necessarily get all of their needs met, which was heartbreaking. That's interesting. Do you, what, it, what is the projection, I guess, for going back in and how are you feeling about it? If you can find the person who has the answer, I would love to know. Uh, <laughs> That's with, what I thought. Yeah, with, um, we're waiting a lot right now for the governor to just make an announcement, but looking what, what other states are doing, a lot of places are talking about some kind of a hybrid model. So we could be in school some days and not in school some days or it'll be a mix of students or some parents might want to learn from home. There's so many options. And unfortunately the way it works, at least in New Hampshire, I believe it'll be every school board sort of decides for themselves. So I don't like the unknown because I am a planner by nature and it's hard to even, I like to plan in my head for months before I actually do it. And I can't plan for anything right now. I completely agree with you. The, the overall sense of unknowing and uncertainty right now, just the tone in our country is a lot, but I can't imagine not knowing what my job is going to look like in September. Um, all right. If you do get to go back in, what are you most looking forward to? Oh my goodness. It's just the little things like snack time and chatting about who has the same snack, going out to recess. And one of my favorite things was to go on the swings with the kids. They would get such a kick out of it, but I'm a kid at heart and I love going on the swings, but just seeing everyone in person and see, helping them build those interactions that are going to help later on in life, like learning to negotiate who's playing with which toy, you know, the, all those little things. And is there anything that you're feeling particularly nervous about? Um, just the unknown of not knowing what it's going to look like. Like, are, am I going to have to wear a mask, which I'm fine with. I wear them, you know, out and about and everything. But the, how do the kids know that I'm a safe person in kindergarten? I might be their first experience in school. And, you know, I don't know that without showing them a smile, how do they know I'm a friendly person? So just thinking of it from their eyes, it's very scary. 
Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I mean, maybe you get one of those cool masks that have like the smiley face painted on it that way. I see those in the grocery store. And I'm like, oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, and I've seen um, like at children's hospital places that work with kids, they have almost clear masks too. Not necessarily the face shield, but either way, because teaching kids how to read, they need to show see what my mouth does when I'm like, this letter makes this sound. They, we really do actually have to have that interaction. Right, there's so much to think about and consider. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So you told us a lot about how you coped with stress and stayed positive. Are there any stress techniques that you utilized that you were like, that was my saving grace? Yes. Um, daily exercise was definitely one of them. Um, I'm a morning exercise person just by nature and getting up and moving my body right away. And, you know, the doctors say it releases endorphins, but it definitely got me in a good mindset for the day. And, you know, then shower, get ready. It's beautiful. But also I did started a daily gratitude practice where I would get up in the morning before my exercise and I would write down five things from the day before that I was grateful for. And then little things like seeing a cardinal on my run or coffee, you know, nothing huge and monumental, but just finding that little bit every day, I would look for it so that I could write it down the next day. I actually think focusing on those little things are sometimes even better than just like my husband, because it forces us to keep looking for those things throughout the day. So as we find little tiny things that we're grateful for, then it increases that awareness throughout our day. So we can kind of be on the hunt, you know, for what we're going to write down tomorrow. Definitely. Um, yeah. But gratitude is a great way to start your day. And I love that you do that in the morning. Yes. And I've continued it on, even though, you know, we're not necessarily home all of the time now. And I've definitely, I discovered I'm very grateful for food. So I'm trying to find other things besides food that I'm grateful for. Carol was in our um, June health challenge and confessed her love for chocolate covered almonds, which if those were in my house, they would, it wouldn't last. It's just not, it's a losing battle. It was bad. They're not coming back in the house. (laughs) Um, Well, you sound like honestly an amazing teacher and that your students are so so lucky to have you and we are lucky to have you thank you so much emily i really loved sharing with everyone thanks carol hello sharon and welcome to the show it feels so strange to call you sharon i just want to call you chuchi sharon i know it does well i'm so glad you are calling me sharon because some people might not know what chuchi means that's true. I actually still to this day don't even know what that means, but I will give people an explanation of where it came from. So Sharon Mattingly has been my mom's best friend for at least 34 years because that's how old I am. And consequently, um, my mom and I lived with her for the first three years of my life and we have stayed in touch ever since and in March before actually nope February sorry I got to go to her high school and share with her class on um, entrepreneurship and mostly I think I just talked about all my mistakes that I made in life and hope that they learned something from it (laughs) well we always learn from our mistakes and we get better with each one Yes, I agree. So why don't you introduce yourself um, from your perspective and not mine? Well, I am an educator and I will always be an educator. I taught in the Marlboro School System for about 20 years and I decided by the turn of events that this year I was going to retire. So I will continue being an educator, but We'll talk about what I'm going to do in the future as we get along in this conversation. 
So how was the pandemic situation for you as a teacher? I guess what, how did the school react initially? And then like, what kinds of things did you have to do after that? There are some dates you just do not forget. So Friday the 13th, March 13th, is was the first day that we were not allowed to come back into the building. And by Monday, the following Monday, the 16th, I knew that we wouldn't be attending school for at least two more weeks. So as a person who is used to putting on five shows a day and being the star of a show, I was in a conundrum. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So it was difficult. That was my identity, right? So off the cuff on that Monday, I decided I was going to do a Facebook Live. No makeup, nothing. I was just going to jump out there and be me. For 10 minutes, I was going to walk and talk. (laughs) And that's what I did. And I got then got information on how I was to educate these students. Being a technology teacher, it was an easy thing for me to transition to because I have taught online for many years. It wasn't anything new to me. As a matter of fact, I could do it again in the fall if I was going to continue to be a teacher. And so I knew I could get the curriculum out there. So I worked very diligently to get things out that would help these students, maybe engage them while they were at home and then to see how things would work out. And it wasn't working that great. They were not engaging, so I had to think a little bit differently. Some of the students did fine with this different kind of learning environment, but others did not know what to do with it. So you had your people that were thriving and those who were just surviving, and it was challenging. So I had to come up with a different plan. Not only did not only did I put on my classroom lesson, but I decided I needed to go live with them also. So I used a product called screencasting and I did a video of myself and then I would post it to their classroom. The only requirement is that they watched it. And in this video, I spent two minutes in a plank position because I love to do planks. And I tried to give them encouraging words telling them they could do it, do the best they could, do a little bit at a time, reward themselves in the end. So I tried to give them some little tips on how to be successful. So that's how I did this. And I continued until the day when summer school began, which was, I mean, summer school, when summer came around and school ended. So how do you think that it's helped you to grow? Um, I mean, obviously, you've made a huge life decision through this. Yes, yes. Deciding to retire only happened through a lot of different circumstances falling into place and working with different people to to see if this would uh, even be a possibility. And after much discussion with my husband, we decided it would be a good choice. It, It was either this year or next year. But boy, what a hard choice to leave my vocation behind. So I was really torn about this. The students had reached out to me and asked me to be their guest speaker virtually for the National Honor Society. That was a great honor. And I said, wow, what a what a joy that they would think of me out of all the teachers. And I was I was kind of shocked. So I had to do a little speech for them online. 
and just things were falling into place. I felt very affirmed by my vocation and I felt like I was at the top of my game, yet during um, just some thoughtful meditation and mindfulness, I came to the decision to retire. Wow. Um, so you talked a little bit about how you saw the students struggle. Were there moments that you saw them excel also with the distance learning? Those students who had structured lessons, some of them did well, but again, some of them did not. Some of them just took it as a free range. So I think it depended on the child and the family support, but these poor parents who never really had to be teachers and learn all of this curriculum were really thrown into the fire also, and I give them a lot of credit. So we had to be in conversation with the student and with the family constantly. And some of the kids were just really happy to have that conversation and some were not. So we definitely had students who excelled. And then some of the students who we thought were going to do very well just couldn't function. The social aspect of education was taken away from them. The social aspect of just meeting with their teacher, they were begging me to ask the superintendent to let school open up again. So it was very interesting to have a student say, please, we want to come back to school. Wow. I think that's probably going to end up being a really valuable lesson too for them and and not taking it for granted. I think so. Um, Do you have plans for your next step? Well, during this time of, you know, just quiet listening and trying to work things out, I, I get up early in the morning, Emily, and I like to just take what I call morning rest time. And I think you probably do this yourself where you just, I have a cup of coffee with my wonderful husband of 41 years and we just sit and then I send him off to work and I do some me time, which is- My my husband's 41 too. No, 41 years. I know, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Stop it, Emily, stop it. (laughs) I'm 35 and he's, no, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) After I do this, the special time for myself, I do a lot of journaling. My plan is to rebrand myself and I'm not sure um, that's kind of a word that came during my journaling and meditation time that I'm going to rebrand myself. Now, listen, I'm a 65-year-old woman who strives to be as healthy as she can in spirit, mind, and body. And I want to continue to educate myself. I want to offer wisdom and understanding you know, generosity and friendliness to those around me. So I'm not sure how I will be rebranded, but I have confidence that I will be awakened to the fact if I can continue to work on just that time of rest in the morning where I I do some listening and reading and writing. Well, I have some ideas for you and I'm excited to see what is next for sure. So you, you talked a lot about how the whole, how you dealt with the whole situation. What do you think the number one key was to you staying positive during this time? Because I know you, you are, you, you strive to be fit, as you said, and you are very fit and you are also extremely, extremely positive. So how would you say that you maintained that and also coped with the stress of it all? Um, self-talk is what I do, Emily. I do a lot of self-talk. So when 
I start hearing that negative voice on one shoulder. You know how you had the angel on one shoulder and one on the other shoulder. I try to just stop it right there. And I try to think of the positive. I really have to fight for this. I have to fight for the words that come out of my mouth. If something negative is going to come out, I can try. And I've been doing this for year in the years in the classroom to turn it around to something positive. The time that I don't do as well as when I get tired. So I have to watch myself when I'm tired. And usually my poor husband will get the brunt of that at the end of the day. But he's such a gracious man. So a, a lot of self-talk and surrounding myself with positive um, attitudes and people to talk to and just getting out in the fresh air really helps me so much. Right now our garden is growing. So getting out in the dirt and digging and reaping and planting and giving food away to the food pantry and to people that walk by. I'm like, here, have some vegetables. I think just trying to be, that's just kind of who I am, but trying to make sure I try to give that away more. I love that. Um, all right. I don't ask, I haven't asked anyone else this question yet. What is some advice that you would give to those parents that are that may possibly have to be going through a lot of the same things come fall? I think they need to look for different creative ways on how to engage their their child. You know, some days they just might have to say, just take a break. Don't do it. I know my own daughter had to do it. And she said, Mom, today I'm we're just reading books and we're doing some documentaries online together. Anything that brings a little piece of education, maybe I think the hardest part is the, per the teacher, the parent that has to go to work or has to work. Setting a schedule up is probably the best and they'll have to set a schedule up which suits their work environment. And then we don't want to say that children come second, but if they can entertain them in a way that doesn't interfere with what they're doing or even include them if they can, I think that's what their choices are going to have to be. You can have your child write your emails to your boss. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing. I'm really excited for your next step. And you, as you know, I'm, I'm here for your rebrand every step of the way. So well, thank you so much. And please give me all those great ideas that you have. Okay, I will. But we have to do that offline because we don't want anyone to steal them. That's right. That's right. Thank you for <laughs> chatting with me, my friend. Thank you. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.